What's happening, people? Good morning. Hope everyone is uh, doing well today or tonight or this afternoon, wherever you are in this world. I hope nobody cares what people uh, think of them. You can't. There's no way. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there, people. And uh, no, I'm not suicidal. That's just uh, suicidal tendencies, uh, been listened to since the 80s, early 80s. That's the mentality you gotta have. You gotta have that type of mentality in this world. This world is uh, full of uh, opportunities, full of uh, beautiful, full of ugly. It's full of everything. It's a uh, it's a fucked up place sometimes, and it's a beautiful place all in one. You gotta find some kind of balance in your life, and uh, depression's real. Whoever says depression ain't real, they're they're just I don't know. I blew up to three hundred twenty five pounds from depression, and I didn't even know I was depressed really till after. You know that I figured it out. I was like, no wonder why. I was definitely depressed. I was just hiding it. But uh, it's a real thing. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Um, there's really no excuse. But uh, I was just wondering how to go about doing this. YouTube and uh, there's a lot of people out there struggling in this world. And, uh, you know, there's no place for them, no communities for them to uh, come to. You know, I don't like going to AA, NA, none of that stuff. I really don't. I just, it's 62 months. Uh, tomorrow, after 17 plus years, I prescribed oxycodone, oxycodone Xanax. And uh, 62 months off, no A, no NA, no, uh, I was only on methadone for what, 10, 11 months or something like that. Uh, I came off that 26 days. And, that was it. And uh, after being not numb no more, I was numb for like 17 plus years, but I was uh, very productive no matter what. I made two albums. I had another child, another my second kid. Uh, kept working for another, you know, nine years, through those 17 plus years. My doctors wanted me to go on a disability and uh at the time, it was, uh, eh, I really didn't want to, but uh, they said they would have fought me and they would have uh, made it hard for me to work. They they said I wouldn't be walking 10 years from uh, now, and that was back in 2011. And uh, I train every single freaking day. I run, <laughs> I stretch, I run, I do a full body workout, then I run again and stretch. And that's at the gym. Next day I go to the park, you know, all calisthenics, wind sprints, jumping rope, shadow boxing, all the stuff I gotta do daily to sweat, you know, every day, sweat, get all, get rid of all the negativity and the, the demons inside of us and the, emotional scars from when we were kids that we can't even remember. You know what I mean? I can't remember any uh, 
you know, I had a fucked up childhood. I grew up without my father and all that stuff, right? But uh, what a single mother. And uh, she had her problems, a lot of bad luck. and a lot of... So I had to grow up really young at seven years old. My uh, my little brother and sister were born, and uh, their father died when my mother was uh, three or four months pregnant with them. So it was just me and my mother and my... Uh, my little brother and sister, so I had to grow up really quick at seven years old. Uh, you know, I just, uh, most of my, you know, I, I have rage issues, you know, from way, way back. And I fell on my head uh, bringing my German Shepherds up the stairs in 2003. I grabbed the railing halfway up, it gave on me, I fell over my two German Shepherds vertically on my head, 14 feet, fractured my skull. I had a 50-50 chance of living. That's why I was on, prescribed all those pain meds and breakthrough pain meds and Xanax. Um, I survived. I uh, woke up two days later and uh, I was out of the hospital. It happened on a Tuesday. I was out of the hospital the following Tuesday, seven days later after brain surgery and having a 50-50 chance to live in two days in a coma. Uh, I think I was self-induced coma, I'm pretty sure. And um, they wanted me to go upstairs for three to nine months, and uh, I couldn't do it. There's no way. I told myself, listen, I appreciate you guys saving my life. I'm from Boston, Mass., uh, Southwest Quincy, uh, city connected to Boston, two cities connected to each other. Probably the best medical place on the planet, you know what I mean? Uh, for, you know, doctors, all the, all the, you know, a lot of them go to schools, a lot of doctor schools, obviously, Harvard and what else, uh, UMass, uh, Northeastern, um, geez, there's, there's a lot of, B, Boston University, there's a lot of them, there's a lot of colleges, but here's the deal, most of the colleges are like west of Boston. They're not in Boston. There's a few that's in Boston, but those are like right across the street from hospitals and stuff like that. Uh, Boston's like, you know, 10 boroughs, 12 boroughs, and Quincy's 13 boroughs, like mini New York's, both of them. It's kind of like the same idea. It's a little smaller version, but it's pretty big when you're here, it's big. But when you go to New York or something, it's a lot bigger, you know what I mean? Just look, look on the map, you can see. Uh, it's a big city, historical city, both of them. All the cities in uh, Massachusetts are very, very historical, all of them. Uh, Lowell, Lynn, um, I'm sure you guys heard of Southie, right? South Boston, that's connected to Quincy. Dorchester, that's connected to Quincy, both of them. Um, Mattapan, uh, Cambridge, Charlestown. Somerville, East Boston, the North End, and then this Quincy, where the first railroad railroad was the uh, first railroad ever. It was right here in Quincy. John Quincy Adams, uh, the original houses he was born in and lived in uh, are right down the street from my house. Uh, downtown Boston is. is Seven miles from where I, uh, from where I was from where I, from where I live right now, from where I was raised, basically. 
not too far away from here, 10, 10 blocks over. I hope uh, a lot of people just don't, you, you can never give a fuck. Excuse my language, but I, I gotta say it, I can't fake it. I can't be fake. I can't be phony. I can't act. I don't wanna act. Um, I'm trying to build a community here of people, uh, go-getters, and, uh, you know, just want to love beating the odds and love proving people wrong every single friggin' day of their life. And I've done that most of my life. I was too comfortable in chaos for us 25 years of my life, 25, 28 years of my life, something like that. Once I had my first kid, my daughter, but one thing I... I didn't learn about growing up uh, in a rough uh, and tough city is uh, you can never take shit from nobody. You can never show weakness. You had to be respected or feared where I come from, honestly, or you are average nobody. And there's nothing wrong with being average nobody. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that. I'm saying you should raise your bar and try to be more than average and uh, you don't have to be politically correct none of that stuff you have a goal you, you just gotta sacrifice discipline and stick with it and eventually it'll uh, pay dividends for you and uh, on the way you'll be able to help people too and uh, I think giving back is one of the best things you can do I, I really believe God kept me alive through so many things and I wasn't even aware God was helping me you know, till I had the time to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like when you get when you go to uh, when you go to prison when you're 19 years old, <laughs> and then you go to prison again when you're uh, Jesus, 23 years old. You get out when you're 20, almost 26 years old, and you you finally, uh, you know figured it out that, you know, you shouldn't be doing what you were doing, selling drugs, all, you know, all the, all the stupid shit, you know what I mean? And it wasn't stupid at the time, believe me. It wasn't stupid at the time. I just, uh, I would never recommend anyone go down that path because there's both uh, state bids I did, I, I got, uh, you know, someone ratted on me, you know what I mean? So, I try never to make the make the same mistake twice. Uh, very, very hard. And uh, I guess I did make that second mistake twice, you know? But I was very lucky, you know? And I never had to sell my fucking soul to anybody, to anybody. Cops, feds, state, police, any of them, any of them. Only thing I said was give me my fucking phone call and that was it. See, a lot of people don't know the system. They get involved with, you know, illegal things and they know the consequences or they don't know the consequences. And they end up telling on their friends, you know, their people that they fight wars with in the streets, uh, fight wars with in buckets of blood, uh, bar rooms that are notorious for fucking bloody fucking a bloody mess outcome fucking every single fucking night or every day. 
like those type of people that you run with and for years and years and years we all know the consequences we all know if shit goes bad you're gonna have to stand up and probably do time selling drugs you know um Even fucking, um, silly as this might sound, um, even self-defense. So many self-defense cases I've had, uh, assault and battery with a dangerous weapon, shot foot, my shot foot, my, my, my feet, right? All I was doing was fighting grown men when I was a teenager. 17, 18, 15, 16, 14, like, with all my other friends. You know, you live in a city, you live in a five-corner with, you know, five main streets all at a set of lights, and there's a huge park not even a quarter of a mile away from it. And, you know, the hood, it's the hood, basically. Uh, no, it ain't basically the hood, it is the hood. That's where I grew up, like, you know, around a lot of older kids that were all making money selling joints. This is in the 83, yeah, 1982-83. I was 11 teen. I was like 12 going on 13. I was almost 13. So I call it 11 teen, you know? But I I was already selling joints. I don't consider selling joints drugs, but back then it was illegal. So it was drugs. Once you start making money, once you start making money and uh, you level up, you know, you start selling hash with the pot, you start selling mescaline, fucking acid, like mushrooms, all that shit, and then you end up selling cocaine. In the 80s, that's where the money was. In the 90s, that's where the money was even more. That's where, you know, I end up selling cocaine, you know, uh, that's why I got caught selling, I never got caught selling pot, never, I still remember it like, uh, it was yesterday, uh, two, five joints, uh, people would pull up, we'd have a hundred, two hundred deep every single day in the 80s, like, at least a hundred of us every day, and two hundred at night, three hundred, four hundred at night during the summer, and like, I'm not even lying, like, not even exaggerating. It was that many people. They're all people I grew up with, you know what I mean? Everyone sold out two, four times a day, a night. Um, yeah, cars would pull up, and they'd all be from different parts of the city or different towns outside of the city. And they just all knew to come to that area and they they pull up they say you got joints you got joints yeah two for five four for ten six for fifteen eight for twenty sometimes i give people nine and ten for twenty because i want i was gonna go re-up and grab another ounce or another quarter pound or whatever the case was you know what i mean at the time and then we'd all go (laughs) i'll go to a you know one of our friends houses my house anyone's house, whoever's house we'd go to where we'd get some privacy and we'd all roll our joints again and go back out and keep selling. It was a 24-7, no, it wasn't a 24-7 thing. It was a, 
It was a 24-7. It was, it was more like, um, I'd say, 18, uh, 16 or 18, 7. Like, from morning till night, you know, 9, 10 o'clock at night. And then things would slow down. Then it would just be local people that would, you know, walk in the park. And we'd all be in there drinking. And they'd walk in and, you know, buy joints off whoever they wanted to buy joints off of. One thing was, um, you know, if someone, you know, got a couple sales, the the next sale that would come would always go to someone else. You know what I mean? It wasn't one person getting paid all the time. It was everyone was getting paid. We made sure that there was uh, always that rule, you know. All right, you know, y'all next, y'all next, y'all next, you know. But here's the other deal. I walk up the street to my house, right on the corner, I live two houses up, and uh, people would pull up to me and give me a ride to my house, you know, and I'd sell them joints right on the ride, right there, boom. It was like crazy back in those days, man. Uh, the golden era, I called it the 80s. I mean, I was making more money in a day than my teachers were probably making in a week. So I'd go into school, and I, I got put in juvie and, you know, DYS, all that shit. And uh, they always said I'd go to state prison. Uh, my counselors, and I always thought, uh, oh, that'll never happen to me. I'm too smart. Yeah, that'll never happen to me. I'm too smart. No one will ever tell on me. When you're that age, you think you fucking know everything, you know what I mean? Even at fucking my age now, 52, I still think I know everything, and I, I pretty much do. I'm not being conceited. I'm convinced of it. I know, I know almost everything there is about life, because I've experienced almost everything there is. Almost every single freaking thing there is in life, I've, I've experienced it, almost, almost. The crazy, 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 the craziness. You hear the Mike Tyson crazy stories? Well, like that, times 10. Times 10. I'm not talking about him going to prison for rape or anything. I don't think he raped anybody, honestly. He didn't have to rape anyone. But uh, I wasn't there, so I can't ever say that. You know what I mean? Uh, like, I'd be a hypocrite and I'd be lying to you. And I can't, I can't lie to you. I'm just saying, in my opinion, I don't think he's guilty. I think Don King got him set up or something. Who knows? Who freaking knows? But even back then, when I was younger, um, I never thought I'd live till 30. Not because I was, um, not because I was like, you know, ODing on drugs or anything like that. I didn't even do a pill to the year 2000. You know, I was dead set against that shit. All I did was drink, smoke pot, and sniff coke. You know, when we were drinking, we'd sniff coke. Uh, that was at like 15 years old. That's why I was going in and out of juvie and shit. You know, my probation officers at 14 years old, adult probation officers at 14 years old, intensive probation officers. Uh, it was just craziness. They always said I, I would end up in state prison if I didn't fucking smarten the fuck up. And, uh, When you can make easy money that easy, it's hard to give it up. 
It really is. I didn't care about cops. I didn't care about any of them. I really didn't. But that was a long, long time ago. A long, long time ago. People, you gotta, um, you gotta hear me here. You can't, you gotta face your fears, whatever fears you have out there, or depression, or, um, or you're stuck in a rut, or you have an addiction, a bad, a bad habit. All that could be fixed. You could fix that. Believe me, if I can come off the amount of oxycontin, oxycodones, and uh, Xanax I was on for all that time, um, anyone can do it. Um, I lost like 70 friends from uh, oxycontin and oxycodone, all of it. They all ended up going to heroin because it was cheaper. And uh, they're all gone now, way too young. And these are friends that you grew up with, you, sp you broke bread with, you spilled blood together, you, you did a lot of things together. A lot of bad, but mostly good. Like, it's a brother it was a brotherhood, you know what I mean? Like a camaraderie, you know what I mean? And everyone had everyone's back, you know what I mean? It was loyalty as royalty type thing, you know? But that don't happen no more these days, you know what I mean? It's uh, very suspect. People are... Uh, some people are very... Um, that I know... Uh, very compromised, you know what I mean? I can't trust them. They have uh, self-esteem issues. And... Uh, and that's, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, you know what I mean? I think we all have self-esteem issues, every single one of us. Um, and we shouldn't, you know what I mean? I, I really don't. Uh, I think I do. But I, I'm sure I have in my in my lifetime, you know what I mean? So far, I'm sure I, I'm sure I have. I'd be a hypocrite if I said I, I didn't, you know, so... Um, yeah, it's you can't care what people think about you. You got you can never take shit from nobody ever. You can never take shit from nobody except for your wife. Or if you're a kid, you should listen to your mother and father. Uh, you should listen to you know your mentors. You know people that you know do good with their life and they're giving you advice. You should listen to them. Always respect your elders unless they give you a reason not to, you know what I mean? I, that's one thing I always do, I always respect my elders. I might have been like a corner boy, a little punk probably, whatever, young. But, uh, you know, 15, 16, 17, like, at 15, I was probably like a 28-year-old uh, mindset. Because I was always dealing with adults, you know, pulling up for joints, you know, and like... Uh, and then when I was like 15, I started selling coke, you know? And uh, like I said, you level up. You start uh, making more money and stuff, you know? And that's like how your life starts out. Like, and it's doomed, you're doomed for failure. You're doomed for failure. Unless you probably sell your soul. And then you definitely have failure because you'll look at yourself in the mirror every day and say, you can see, 
you probably have to say, you probably look in the mirror and the reflection, you'd probably be like, man, I can't believe I was too weak. I was too weak. I let them make me, I let them fold me like a chair. You know what I mean? Like, I can never let them do that to me. I didn't like authority figures to begin with. Needless to say, I just never let them break me. They couldn't even bend me. So, um, you know, I got, uh, I had good offers for a really good job. I had a part-time job uh, when I was in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, fifth, sixth, and seventh grade. I had a part-time job three nights a week. Uh, what was it? Like four in the afternoon until nine at night. I do that three nights a week and hustling and selling joints and all that stuff and like I said you know you heard it earlier you know you keep moving up and up when you sell uh, drugs you know it's just the way it is and that's where uh, I learned about life like uh, like how fragile it is and how uh, and not just fragile how like, much how much like granite, solid iron, like a human can be. It's all mental. It's a mental game. You play, we play, play it with ourselves every day. Our minds play tricks on us. All that shit. I don't let that shit happen. I block it right out of my fucking head. Small shit to a giant. What's Quincy defiant? That's the way I, I think of it. Like you know, that's the way you have to think. And don't get me wrong, I let small shit get to me uh, almost every day, probably. If I had to average it out, probably like three, four, five times a week. I usually, I usually don't let nothing get to me, you know. But yeah, I gotta admit, once in a while, little things will bother me, you know what I mean? All that is is just, uh, you're not having a good day or fucking something like that, you know what I mean? Something, you know, just stupidity, maybe a arguing with your wife about something like, you know, really petty or something, you know what I mean? Just ain't going right. And, uh, you know, you let that little shit bother you. What helps me every single day or at least five, six days a week, at least, is just going out and torturing myself uh, training. If I didn't, if I don't train, I would go start crazy. I would really go start crazy. I need to pour sweat. I need to humble myself every every day. I need to go out there and pour sweat and humble myself. And after I do that, I um, everything else for the rest of the day is going to be easy. I'm on the... Um, Right now, I'm um, building up a bunch of businesses right now, legal businesses. I haven't done anything illegal in 27, 28 years or something like that. You know, it's been a long time. I was off in a job in, um, as a miner. Where I come from is uh, seven, gen seven, eight generations of miners. Uh, Sandhogs, tunnel workers. And I was offered a job because, uh, you know, 
it's politics. It's like the streets, you know. So uh, the boss of the union grew up right where I was selling drugs. He's a generation and a half older than me, you know. I'm 52. He's probably 65 or 66 right now. So, uh, yeah, he's around that, that age, yep. Uh, he offered me a job, you know, before I even did my second state bid. But, you know, I said, you know, maybe someday I might take you up on that job, you know. He uh, wanted me to be his, uh, you know, one of his main men, you know what I mean, and uh, a boss. So I wouldn't even have to, I wouldn't have no one telling me what to do or nothing. The only one I would have to listen to is him. And he's not on, on the, the tunnel jobs, you know what I mean? He's at the office, the union hall. So that's all I had to do was just uh, be a problem solver for him. Which was pretty easy for me because uh, my mentors, you know, I worked for them. They were they were bookies, you know what I mean? Bookies, their father was a bookie, God bless his soul, and uh, they're still bookies. Um, you know, I'd collect for, for my mentor and then my mentor's younger brother too, him too. And, uh, you know, I just uh, got a reputation of being, um, you know, a problem solver, basically. And uh, like I said, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there, you know. Gambling, prostitution, and uh, alcohol are three things that'll always be there during recessions and anything like that. Those three things are always, that's what the mafia was always into. I never understood why the feds went after the mafia anyways. They weren't killing innocent people. They weren't killing kids, women, anything like that. It was always made members and soldiers that took the oath and uh, had to pay the ultimate price. When you take that oath, 90% of the time, unless you're a real smart, wise guy, you end up in a coffin, or you end up uh, cement shoes, the Atlantic Ocean, or any ocean, or you end up in prison for the rest of your life. Who knows, you know? I never took that oath. I, uh, I'm not good at taking orders. I'm not good at taking orders at all, unless uh, they're competent orders. Growing up on the streets and um, selling drugs and, you know, hanging with that many people every single friggin' day and the camaraderie you have. And just like the union, same exact thing, almost, you know, we're all working. We're all working, um, you know, doing very hard work on underground construction ain't no joke. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's real work. It's not, not for everybody. Uh, it's for really strong, strong, mentally strong and physically strong men. I've sent so many people down, so many people down that shaft in shafts, in all the shafts I worked in that go all the way down to where we mine the tunnels, the water tunnels, 500 feet underground. I sent people 500 feet down in a cage, 
and the cage will come back up and there'd be a guy in there or two and they go, fuck that shit, I'm not doing that shit. And they, they say, oh, I feel like a fucking little fucking pussy, this and that, a little bit, this and that, you know, the words people use, right? When they're ashamed or whatever. And I would tell them, don't be ashamed. It's not for everybody, you know? It really isn't for everybody. Like, you're not the first one and you won't be the last. You know what I mean? But, uh... A lot of people are claustrophobic. Even though when you get down to the bottom of the shaft, it's not... You wouldn't feel claustrophobic. It's like a mini city down there, for Christ's sakes. So, yeah, it's not... It's not claustrophobic at all. At all. At all. Let me think. Um, so, the, a, t a TBM, a Telebora machine... Um, cuts through solid granite. It's a big, big, long machine. What, what? At the begin, in the front of the machine, it's like um, it's a big circle, all steel iron, with big steel cutter blades on it, four, five hundred pound cutter blades. I've had to, I've had to go through a hole, a cutter blade hole, go to the front of the. Uh, the Telebora machine in about, I'd say, a four or five foot area. And I had to change a uh, cutter head one time with another guy. Talk about hard. Like, you, you wouldn't even believe how hard it is to do that. And you have to do that every, uh, I'd say, a couple times a week. Because, you know, you're running three shifts. That thing is running, you know, uh, on a 24-hour day. It's probably running, I'd say, six six hours out of each shift or seven hours out of each shift. So 21 hours a day, maybe three, four hours down. Mostly, mostly, I was up top, up top, above ground, um, as a steward slash top man, slash steward. Uh, top man is the man that rigs everything up to the crane and gives the crane operator the signals to send it down the shaft. So send all the equipment, you know, my union brothers and sisters would need for... Um, to work the shift, you know what I mean? Like, we have little trains down there that, uh, man trips, they're called, that would uh, go all the way into the uh, heading, you know, the, behind behind the tunnel borer machine and drop all the uh, materials off. We'd only do that in the beginning of the shift, like one or two or three trips. It all depended on how much work was going to be done, you know? We probably averaged around 100 feet, 100 feet every shift mining. And that's when a big Talabora machine and 150 men down there. Talabora machine is like a mini city. It's like a, um, uh, I would say it's like four, uh, I'm trying to, it's a circle. It's a long, 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 long circle. I'd say it's about a, 
50 yards, 75 yards long, uh, or 100 yards long, maybe. Uh, about 75, 75 yards long. And uh, it's all moving slowly as it's cutting, as, as it's as it's drilling into the solid granite, the front, the front uh, cutter heads, the cutter head with all the cutter heads on it, like a big, huge circle. So the size, so the size of the uh, the tunnel, you know, that you're that you're mining through is probably about. Uh, they're all a little bit different, but they're not much different, except for micro tunnels. Those are really small. But the ones I was running, I did run one micro tunnel. I was a bottom man on a micro tunnel job in Chelsea. Uh, all the other ones I ran were pretty much the same size. They're probably um, trying to think um, a complete circle. So you're in a sphere. It cannot collapse because you're in solid granite. You're in a circle. You're in a circle, but uh, I would say, I would say uh, 15, 20 feet by 20 feet, like 20 feet across, 20 feet, um, I'd say about 15, yeah, 15 feet across and 15 feet up, all in a circle, so 15 feet in diameter, a 360 feet. 360 degrees, you know what I mean? But let's say 14 feet across, 14 feet uh, vertical, 14 feet horizontally, and um, that's pretty big. It's uh, you don't even feel like you're in a tunnel, you know what I mean? It's, it's 58 degrees year round. Recycled air comes up from the top, goes down through the air vents, and goes through the tunnel and then uh, comes out of the shaft. Yeah, it's a crazy setup. It's, it's hard to explain. It's very hard to explain. I really want to help people uh, hear people. I really do. I really want to help people uh, have that F-U attitude and not in a bad way. I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean it in a you know, if you're having any problems in your life, uh, if you if you think you can't do anything with your life because you know, like you know, you had a you know the rough upbringing like me. You know what I mean? A lot of people out there have, right? You think, oh, no one's ever gonna give me a job. No one's ever gonna give me anything. I'm gonna be product of my environment, this and that. No, you won't. If you don't want to, you won't. I promise you that. I know it's once you're in, it's hard to get out of. It really is. That's that's a true fucking statement. That's a true bar on a rap song. On many rap songs. Blood in, blood out. That's why I never took the oath. I didn't have to. 
like I said, I'm not gonna take an orders. But I was very loyal. Very loyal. And uh, that's just not me, you know what I mean? There's wannabes and there's, uh, I was definitely a half a wise guy, no doubt about it, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't a main man or nothing, but I had plenty of respect and plenty of fear. People feared me and uh, probably still do. For all I know, I don't know. Only way uh, I would hurt anyone is if they came two feet in front of me with animosity, uh, then there'd be a problem or so fuck my wife and kids. There'd be a serious problem for that person or them people or whoever the fuck, God forbid. But I, you know, I never really had that problem in my life because, you know, I'm, I'm well-respected and, and feared, probably, by a lot of people. And it's funny. These people don't even know. I haven't had a hangover since 2001. Like, I haven't drank. Like, I've been a weekend warrior since, like, 99, uh, 2000. Like, I was only going out, like, once a month or once every couple weeks. Uh, my wife just said, you know, can't drink no more on the weekends, you know. Our daughter was three, four years old, you know, starting to get at that age where she started, you know, knowing things, you know. So, yeah, we couldn't couldn't do it no more, you know. And uh, that was easy for me because I pined like a rock star in the 80s and 90s selling drugs, you know what I mean. So when she, you know, asked me if I'd stop and you know, settle down and all that stuff. Uh, it was the easiest decision I ever made. Hey, driving by uh, bars and stuff where I knew all, a lot of my friends were in there and during the summer and the doors would be open, you could smell the beer coming right off the bar. You know what I mean? Yeah, you would be tempted a little bit, right? But after a couple months or whatever, a couple years or whatever, it's different for everybody, I guess. For me, it's just a self-respect thing. That's all it is. Like, I respect myself so much. I demand respect, like, you know, like, if you earn respect in a rough place with rough people, if someone disrespects you, you should, um, you can't let that happen. You cannot let someone disrespect you. And I, I can honestly say to you, it takes more of a man to walk away from a fight. It really does. It takes more of a man to walk away from a fight. The only thing is, I'm not programmed like that. I did learn a lot. Like, I don't act on impulse. Now, I evaluate every situation. But here's the thing. I'm not in those situations no more because I'm not around. I'm not at bars. I'm not on corners. I'm not on front fucking walls of parks no more. Like, I, I haven't been there since I was a young, young fucking teenager in my 20s, you know, at bars, in private clubs and, you know, strip joints and fucking uh, casinos and shit like that, you know? So... Uh, yeah, it's been a long time. So I'm not, I'm home every night, constantly building, constantly growing, constantly evolving, constantly 
because I refuse to take orders from anybody. You know what I mean? Because I'm just uh, not that I feel like I'm better than anybody. You know what I mean? But I'm definitely more competent than a lot of people. I cannot take orders from a, a people I don't respect. So, you know, it's very political where I live. Politics are in everything. It's not just there in Washington, D.C. and our nation's capital. You know what I mean? It's in everything in life. There's a chain of command. And I'm, I'm definitely a five-star general. I was a savage way before I was 21 years old. I was a savage at 15, fucking 16, 17 years old. A full-blown savage. Full-blown fucking cowboy. And not the one that rides horses with a cowboy hat and fucking cowboy boots. Talk about a city cowboy with a fitted hat down to the eyes, low, Adidas on, fucking, you know, Adidas suits, fucking, you know, Jabos, fucking, polos, fucking, concert shirts, fucking, uh, fatigues, you know, every fucking style you can think of, I, I, I definitely fucking uh, wore it. But mostly Adidas. Adidas, I want a sponsorship. Adidas on Instagram, Adidas Originals. I've been wearing Adidas since I was uh, since elementary school. I had a pair of shell toes when I was in elementary school, and then I moved up to. No, I had other sneakers uh, in elementary, but uh, what I settled on, I had the first pair of Nike Air, the uh, the running ones, uh, red and white ones. I had a pair of those. What I realized when I, when I grew, grew up, you know, a little older, I don't know, 13, 14, 15, I just started buying Adidas all the time because I, I have wide feet. And I noticed that, like, Nikes and Saucony, and uh, I used to buy a lot of running sneakers, too, because I run a lot. I, I've always worked out my whole life. You know, most of my life I've worked out, most of it, two-thirds. I took, like, a year or two off. And I, I went up to 325 pounds. I, like I said, I was in depression. And I didn't even realize it. I was like 325 plus pounds. I got, I got down to 220. Uh, Jesus. 62 months ago uh, tomorrow. So, yeah, 62 months ago, uh, I was like 220, 230 pounds probably. And... Uh, Nine, ten months in, I was back down to my amateur boxing weight around 218, 222. In between, probably 220, rounded off 220. But prior to that, I couldn't get under 240 pounds, no matter how hard I trained. It was the pills. It was the pills and work. You know, you're working. You know, I'm up, I'm up top. You know, I send down picks and all that stuff, but I, I, I'd have a lot of off time up top, you know? So I eat a lot of fucking, you know, a lot of food at once, you know what I mean? I'd still be working out and stuff, you know? Hitting the heavy bag down my cellar, wrap up, put that 16-ounce gloves on, hit the heavy bag for half an hour straight, do some fucking hammer curls, some shrugs, some push-ups, and uh, I thought that was enough, you know what I mean? But it was my eating. 
I just ate so much fucking food. My, my wife's a great cook, Italian, you know, great fucking Italian cook, but, uh, you know, I, I'd, eat, I'd eat garbage foods, you know, at night before I went to sleep. And being short on your fucking payments for a couple of days, it would be horrible. You couldn't eat. You felt like you had the flu. You know, uh, being fucking dope sick, that's what it's called. Not having your opiates, not having your uh, painkillers. It's the same sickness you go through with uh, the heroin people uh, use out there. I've used it about, you know, 20 times in my life. Because I didn't want to pay a lot of money for pills. That I was going to get for a $10 copay uh, a day or two later. One of my dear friends, uh, I was so sick one time, he just, he put out like a little line, a little line of brown powder. And I was, uh, like I told you people, I, um, anyone listening, I never did a pill till the year 2000. So I didn't know. You know, I, I seen people do heroin. I, I tell them, please, I don't want to see that shit. You know what I mean? Go in the other room with that fucking shit. I, I don't want to see it. Meanwhile, I'd be sitting there drinking a sniff of cocaine. So who the fuck, you know, such a fucking hypocrite. But, uh, yeah, so my friend put on a little tiny line for me. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, I'm used to doing Route 128s, like a, like a highway, like the highway, whatever the highway is called. That's what I used to call lines. Yeah, let's go do a fucking big gacka. One that'll make you go, after you did a huge, a huge line of fucking rocket fuel, you're like fucking the drips in the back of your throat. And uh, just fucking crazy, you know. And uh, we call them Route 128. So I'm going to do a 93 fucking north or a 93 fucking south, you know. And, uh, oh. So who the fuck was I fucking, like, uh, saying, get that shit away from me, go in the other fucking room and do that shit, right? What I'm doing fucking probably just as bad, you know what I mean? Here's the funny thing. Cocaine just kept me drinking for two, three days. And I just keep making money, keep making money, and keep re-upping and keep going to get more coke. And re-upping and keep going to get more coke. And uh, honestly, I spent a lot of the profits on my friends. You know, because if I was uh, having a good time, they were too. And you know what, having a good time was being with your boys. The party never ends. So, yeah, I, I was shocked. Like, that, I, you know, like, uh, just craziness. Robbing drug dealers, all kinds of fucking crazy shit in those days. That's why I say uh, God kept me here for a reason. Like, I'm like, I used to go through shit that uh, most people would probably be scared to do. I wasn't scared at all. I had a big grin on my fucking face. And after I'd have a, it was like a rush, you know what I mean? But never had to kill nobody, you know what I mean? I never had to kill, I came close. I'm shocked I never killed nobody uh, in fights. Back in the days. It would have just been, uh, 
not just it would have been manslaughter and that's one to ten years so it's not like I would have done life but I'm very grateful I didn't have to do one to ten years for hitting anybody you know what I mean and all I was doing was just self-defense because people will come out of bars when you're a teenager and you're sitting there with like four five six guys on the corner it's one in the morning whatever the fuck two in the morning whatever and they come out and they say something stupid and they walk over act like tough guys and then we leave them there uh, in a pile of, you know, a puddle of blood. They'd all be laying there in the middle of the fucking street in a busy fucking street so cops would come and for some reason I would always fucking go to jail. None of my other friends would go to jail like back in those days. It would always be me because I was the only one on probation. I, I had a fucking adult probation since I was 13, 14 in an intensive probation officer. I still know, know those men to this day, you know, they helped me out a lot. I had no idea how much they helped me, but they helped me a lot. Every time they put me in uh, DYS, you know, uh, juvie, uh, I'd come out 20, 30, 40 pounds uh, bigger uh, on muscle. I'd work out the whole time I was there. I was so busy hustling on the streets, I didn't have time to rest. I was fucking... I'd, I'd go home, sleep, wake up, take a shower, eat breakfast, go to the gym, and then fucking come back home, shower, and fucking get dressed for the day and get ready to go out and sell joints and fucking, and fucking go out and drink. Just the way it was in the 80s. In the 80s, people. And even then, in the 80s, it wasn't every night. But, you know, most times, yeah, in the 80s, most times, uh, Three, four cases of beer, walk right down the park. You know what I mean? Two, two people would take the cases and uh, walk behind the park on the on the on the on the quiet streets, not the main avenues and the fucking where I grew up, uh, ten blocks away from here. But yeah, we were just blatant, very blatant. You know what the funny thing is, the cops tried to raid us a lot down there, and, uh, but I think they really never wanted to bother with us because there was so fucking many of us. It's like, what are two cruises going to do? Four cops when there's a hundred, and sometimes during the summers, no bullshit, 400, 300 people? The park is so big, right? We'd have parties going in every corner of the park. And then by around 11 o'clock before last call for the... Uh, for the packies, you know, the, uh, you know, booze stores, packies, we call them there, package stores, right? So, you know, we get the buyers to go get the, uh, a couple more cases for the night, and all the, the corners would all come into the middle of the park. Everyone knew everybody, you know what I mean? If you were an outsider and you said something stupid, well, <laughs> you see UFC fights when people get poked in the eyes, finger pokes. I had a friend that fucking, I had a few friends that fucking uh, stick fucking their fucking index finger right through people's eyes and fucking stir it. They call it eyeball soup. Like, these are the savages I grew up with, man. And like, hey, I wasn't no fucking altar boy either. I was definitely fucking right in there, dude. Right in there, too. I had friends that bit people's ears off, uh, noses, fucking fingers. I've had friends that have 
fucking, I'm done. I've hit people so hard, their fucking eyes roll behind their fucking head. They kick them in the ribs in the head. It was stupidity. It was all stupidity. But here's the problem. It kind of wasn't stupid. Because if it wasn't me defending myself, that would have been me on the ground getting kicked in the face and out cold or whatever. It's a dog-eat-dog world. And nothing's changed. It's a lot less violent than it was in the 80s and 90s. I can tell you that. It's like night and day. But there's still violence every fucking day out there. I tell that I tell that to my kids. I, I told that to my kids since they were little kids. I said, you can never take shit from nobody. I don't care if you're scared. I don't care. You face that fear, you won't be scared no more ever again. Like, you'll get rid of that fear real quick. And be a leader, not a follower. You know, and be polite and nice unless someone gives you a reason not to be. And, uh, you know, that's the way you should, uh, that's the way you should raise your kids, you know, and just give them as much love as you can. Yeah, I had anger issues since I was a kid uh, because I, you know, my father, like I didn't grow up with my father. Uh, like I said, you heard from the beginning of the, uh, this podcast, you know, I, I tell you the story, but uh, I didn't meet my real father until I was like 32 years old and he almost met a left hook. If it wasn't for my uh, uncle, he would have definitely met a left hook. But uh, that's neither here or there, but that's why I had a lot of, I was ashamed, you know, like all my friends, most of my friends had, you know, mothers and fathers, and they were all really nice to me and really good people, you know. I was never jealous either. It's just um, I felt uh, ashamed that I didn't have that, you know, that father. You know what I mean? You know, seeing me kick ass in sports, uh, beating older kids at every fucking sport I played them in. I was gifted with speed. God gave me speed really fast and very athletic. A lot of fights, a lot of fights. Then I got into boxing to keep me out of fucking fights. And, uh, you know, in the streets, yeah, I'd go fight in the ring and fucking, you know, not get in trouble. It's just, um, just so people know that you have nothing to be ashamed of. Like, I've been there, done that, and some, so anything you tell me or this community... Um, no one can ever judge you. I won't allow it. I will not allow it. I, I promise you that. I will not allow anyone to fuck with you in here, in this community here. This community is going to be a sacred community, and I hope, I really hope I can change. And as people join and people become part of this community, we all can help the people that are struggling out there. People need something like this daily. So, you know, they know someone gives a fuck, you know what I mean? And we, I really do, I really do care about people that are suffering out there. Mental health is a horrible thing out there. And uh, 
that depression shit's real. I, I don't know about suicide or anything like that, but I do know this. Wanting to die is a reason to live. And um, just always remember that. And always remember tough times don't last. Tough people do. In time, heals all wounds. It really does. Over time, if you're patient, you're positive. Things will look up. Things will get better every day for you. When you're around good people, when you're around misery, needs, company people, that's what you're going to get. You gotta, you can't put squares in your circle. You gotta surround yourself with people who wanna see you reach your goals, wanna see you and yours do really well in life. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. You can ask anybody that. Any wise man will tell you it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Rule number one is you can't care what people freaking think about you. They can't judge you. The only one that can judge you is a judge in the court of law. Live by the sword, die by the pen. Believe that. That's definitely a fact. Um, that's the only one that can judge you. And obviously you, you want your peers to um, respect you and, and love you and care about you. You know what I mean? And hope the best for you. But a lot of people out there jealous, envious, and you would never know it. They're right under your fucking nose. It's like, you know, I had the last 62 months, I had to cut ties with a lot of friends. A lot of friends. I won't even call these people. Not that I, not that I don't want the best of them, you know what I mean? Of course I do. I'm not a hater. But... I just can't be around people that are uh, that are still, you know, doing, you know, that fucking thing, you know, the the pills, the heroin, all that shit. I can't be around people like that. Cause I got a I got bigger fish to fry. I'm not trying to ruin my life. You know what I mean? Like those payments fucked me up bad. Like 62 months. Like the first two years. That's that's just, that's why so many people fail. It's like it, it, you don't feel better till like every month, and then you're on methadone, like you know, so you won't be sick, really sick for a long, for a long time. Um, yeah, like once I came off that, I was like, oh my god, like I can't believe I can wake up and not have to do. 6.30 oxy fucking codone 30s and fucking 3s antibars crush it all up and sniff a big fat line and uh I would do that 7-8 times a day for 17 fucking years that's how much I was prescribed 42 30s uh oxycodone 30s a day at the end in the beginning I was prescribed uh 8 oxycodone 80s the real ones and uh 8 oxycodone oxycodone 30s as breakthrough payments and zany bars 2 milligrams zany bars and 3 milligrams zany bars 9 and 12 a day so I was on enough pain meds and, and uh, benzodiazepines for fucking 10 cancer patients Ugh. rough it's an emotional roller coaster coming off those uh, pharmaceuticals it's like um 
happy, sad, rage, happy, sad, rage, happy, sad, rage, like, your mind doesn't stop racing, like, I'm not even talking about having urges to use, I didn't have one urge to use, none, oh yeah, like, the first month of, you know, being off, my friend came, my friends came over and uh, did a pill with me or something, <laughs> I said, give the I said, give them pills for free, like a bunch. They come over and did one pill with me, but you know what? I felt it. And, uh, yeah, I was like the first two or three months into, uh, you know, being on methadone and stuff. Yeah, I, I did those pills. I, I did like a half a pill and a pill with each each one of them. And that was the last time. I, I think I did a couple morphines too, pills, when I uh, came off the methadone, even though I wasn't sick. I felt like I was. I was in a lot of pain. And uh, I said, fuck this. Uh, I don't need these fucking things. So about three, four, five times in the first fucking, uh, the first year, I did, you know, a couple perks or whatever. That was it. And that was it. Like, uh, nothing compared to what I was doing uh, those 17 and a half years that I was prescribed all that medicine. And not from a quack doctor either, from internal, he was internal medicine, he's, he's retired now. But he even said to me, he goes, Robert, you know, I'm very proud of you. He goes, you know, most people, you know, it, it's, you know, you look great, you know, I, I feel great. You know what I mean? I really do, but I can't sugarcoat nothing, I can't lie. It's still an emotional roller coaster. I don't have no urge at all. That's the miracle of the whole 62 months, not even an urge. Like, never had an urge. Not even a little itch, you know? I just felt better and better and better every day, you know? It was more like every month you feel better, you know what I mean? But you are getting better every day. You definitely are. Just waking up and not having to go, um, you know, not having to crush up pills and do that six times a day seven times a day, eight times a day, ten times a day sometimes. Uh, just waking up and not having to worry about that was uh, was uh, all the reason to stay off them. You know what I mean? It's a horrible habit. And that's what uh, gave me a passion to do podcasting and everything and uh, learning technology because... Uh, uh, finally, I learned how to use computers and audio interfaces and everything like that. And I'm still learning daily. I'm getting better and better daily. Um, the audio is going to be a lot better and better. I'm going to invest in more technology. And I'm going to uh, come out with my third album for the second time. I'm starting my third album for the second time. I'm going to produce my uh, this album. Um, I got some apps, I got some things, I've been working on some beats, and uh, I'm gonna come out with the most epic album ever. Uh, that's, uh, I'm just keeping myself busy. I got businesses I'm starting up. These podcasts are gonna turn into businesses um, over time, you know what I mean? My other one's doing really well. Uh, monetized almost, uh, I'm monetized on every podcast app uh, on my other podcast and uh, channel. Uh, but this one, uh, over time, you know, 
there'll be merchandise and there'll be all kinds of stuff. You know, this is a, this is going to be a good community of people if they just, uh, if you just get rid of your insecurities, you'll be fine. You know what I mean? Honestly, you'll be fine. I promise you will. Just gotta, gotta let it go. You know, you really do. All right, people, I'm gonna try to do this. Actually, I'm gonna do this daily, every single freaking day. I'm gonna make a vow right now. I'm gonna do this channel every single freaking day. And uh, I'm gonna be there for you, people. Then uh, share, like, subscribe, and become part of this family. And you'll see who I am. You'll see who I am. Like, I'm not trying to hide myself. I'm just, uh, I figured this would be the best way to do it right now. Till people start joining and becoming part of this community. And then we could all see each other. I could put 10 people on here. And we could do this privately. You know what I mean? But I got to end this. Thank you to YouTube. Thank you to Spotify. Thank you to Anchor. Thank you to uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, everybody.